Welcome to the Podcast Podcast. My name is Don. My name is Scott. And uh, we have a shorter chapter today, so mm-hmm. more room for bantering. Yeah. But the crazy part is we just took like an hour and a half walk. Amen. Yeah. Which was nice. It was. <sighs> we've been in winter two weeks ago, like lots of snow, and now we have sun and 60 some degree weather we had like the coldest weather of the year and probably of the last year uh-huh uh eight inches of snow i don't know what you had here we had eight inches on the first blast mm. and four on the second well the river's still flooding because of yeah that's right. i mean because of all the melting of the snow yeah and now we have 60 degree weather say actually it was 66 degrees with sun out today yeah, uh. yeah my car i think when i pulled up here was like said 66 or something like uh-huh. that so I'll take that any so, any time. Yep. Unfortunately, winding, winding, winding and podcasting, wind, 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 wind and podcasting doesn't really work too well with microphones. Right. So we got these fancy shields. Oh yeah. Oh, I can get um I have two they're called dead cats. I got plenty of live cats if you want to. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> entertain the people while I show you a dead cat. I don't mind you taking out a couple of my neighborhood cats. Um dead cat. It looks much fluffier than what a really dead cat might look like. This stops. So I'll put it on the the Zoom because, like, we're not using these mics. Yeah. This one might be for the... We use a a Zoom H4N Pro to record, so if you're familiar with that. It's got two microphones on it. You put this on it, and the wind, when it blows it, it gets diffused through all the hairs. So it feels soft. Soft like a kitty. I was going to say, it looks like it's soft. But I have uh, that dead cat for my Zoom, and I have another one for my... You probably ha- you don't have one for your camera mic, the Rode mic that came with your camera? You, you know, I don't think I do. Oh. Yeah. Mine came with it. And the crazy part is... This I had to buy separate. Okay. Which is dumb. Now, I bought that camera for school, and I never use it. Sarah uses it all the time for work, so I was well, like, okay. Yeah, I was going to talk to you. So we're at the time change time of the year. Dude, this oh, is soft. Yeah. This dead cat. Really okay, oh, really, dead cat people, um, before you get all mad and write a letter... Which you won't. Actually, I, I check would the email all the time. Like you to write a letter about a dead cat. Yeah, it's a um, fuzzy ball with like a hole in it that you put over a microphone, and it keeps the wind from affecting the mic. So when you're interviewing somebody outside or you're trying to do something outside, this would actually stop it. I have two dead cats that would probably fit over these microphones. So if I, we ever did want to go outside, I looked at Amazon to see what would happen if you typed in "dead cat." I was actually fairly underwhelmed because that pops up. There's a bunch up. of these. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but uh, the time change is coming. Oh, yeah. And I think we could probably start shooting some video. Oh, uh, yeah. Because okay. we, we've had this long, three-year-long goal of doing some YouTube stuff. I know. And we're getting, we're moving. Uh, my family is. Yours someday. We've been trying. Yeah. Uh, the housing market right now is, in America, crazy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I found a couple of, children's bibles oh yes so and one of them like joe was like do you want me to put this away i was like no so we might need that <laughs> so for those of you that don't know our, ge- our genius idea is we want to go into what does the bible what does children's bible say about scripture um so you know <laughs> what what you know what does what does it say about judges or how about you know when they cut off am i allowed to say they cut off the the thingies uh, for the you know uh, Philistines? Uh, the Philistines, yeah, or does that put us into like an R rating? Uh, you know, Ezekiel's gonna hit it. So- oh, come on! Next Monday, rain sixty one. Oh, are you serious? All weekend long, it's supposed to be cold. It's supposed to be beautiful and sunny. Yeah, forty eight, fifty two. Yep, I'm that stuck in a sucks. classroom all week long, looking at the sun, wishing I was outside. But no, the weekend. <sighs> but it does this every year, like. I'm pretty sure the weather knows that the weekends are supposed to be warm and sunny, and that they just never are. Well, if we want to record, we'll have more sunlight because the sun will be setting around 740. So coming in future, future weeks. Yeah. Because March is always a weird... So it's March when we're recording. You're probably hearing it in like July when it's actually (laughs) legitimately sunny. What are you talking about? 79 degrees outside. (laughs) And we'll be at the water park with face masks, you know. If, If we posted... Any Ezekiel yet? I have no clue. Let me see. This makes for an entertaining podcast while downloads mm-hmm. so far. Podbean, or sorry, bocash.podbean.com. Or if you just search Bocash in Google, you'll probably be within three years. <laughs> uh, nope. 
I did the last Joel one last time, okay. so Ezekiel will be this week, I think. Oh, nice. I think this is the week I post. Yeah, because that's February. Okay. So, all right. Cool. Woohoo! So yeah, so you're, it'll be much warmer when you hear this. Yeah. More, yeah. This so we be, might be at the water park wearing face think, masks. You, this is approximately. <laughs> this is approximately 18 weeks away from being posted. Okay. Oh, so wow. they, they might hear the video we were talking about before it's posted. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we really do got it. I got a nice camera. I got a few gimbals. I got okay. lots of microphones. I've got things to make this happen. So we should probably make it happen. All right, cool. We got to make it happen. Especially the summer when we've got the sun and the... Right. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, I get, instead of like doing a like inside shots and trying to set things up, we can just yeah. do a nice outside and let nature be nature. And it's warm. Yeah. Did I mention it's warm? And I've got dead cats all over the place. See, I'm all about the dead cats. So, Speaking of uh, executioners. Oh, yes. uh, What do you think about chapter nine of Ezekiel? Well, one of them is going... Spoiler. (laughs) One of them (coughs) is going... Okay, lots of... They're going to pretty much do a lot of killing. But one of them is... (laughs) (laughs) One of them's going to scribe. We were laughing about this. Um, Yeah. Yep. Well, that's... See, Jesus gives us the ability to laugh. (sighs) Because Jesus, baby. Oh. I'll quit singing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, you please quit singing. All right. Um, so we are in chapter trash, apparently. Chapter 9 of Ezekiel. Dude, you're like Mary Poppins with stuff in your pocket. It's getting stabbed by my key. I couldn't figure out what it was. That's fine. Getting stabbed by your key, but you have a knife in there and you're not getting stabbed by the knife. Do you see the dust? <laughs> <laughs> I just popped over the knife and the like, pocket dust was like poof. <laughs> apparently, he hasn't used it in a while. No, I used it a lot when we were moving and getting the house ready and stuff, and I'm, like, cutting bands on, like, ceiling tiles and stuff like that, but so that's probably all ceiling tile dust, honestly. There is some live cats outside if you want to fix the we can... uh, So th- this knife is, like, shot. This is, like, it's been so abused. I don't know if it could get through a cat. <laughs> <laughs> um Boy, this just went dark. <laughs> it, it's a, it's been a really good knife for me, but look at the, look at the tip. I mean, it's all uh, like, oh wow, it, it hasn't been sharpened probably in a year. Uh, it yeah, it's probably not too bad, but I wouldn't mess with it. Yeah, I haven't cut myself yet. I, oh, I did actually. I closed it one time and I wasn't paying attention, uh, and the serrated part went across my finger. That probably about a month ago, and it was like enough that like I had to put a bandaid on it. and I couldn't type. I was uh, like, this is dumb. Yeah, they, or I thought I broke my finger a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, how's it doing? It still might be broken, but it was at least bruised, and we were still fully virtual. So I'm oh. trying to type it f- fast in the chat, and it was like, by the end of the day, my <laughs> finger was throbbing. I'm like, oh. And is like, why don't you just type with one hand? I was like, I don't know how. I know that would be. <laughs> that'd take all day. Right, I know. I was like, I can only type fast, and I need two hands. I, so... I didn't learn how to type until I worked for Gateway Computers. Mm-hmm. I used to hunt and peck, but like I was like very computer literate. I don't know, like very computer usy. Yeah. So I was like, a, I mean, that's probably like 50 words a minute at a hunt and peck. And now that I know how to type, I'm about 80. Yeah. But like, you, you know, 50 is faster than a lot of people I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mario. but yeah, I feel if I went back to it, I'd probably be like two. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can type much fat and then you don't have to look at it. And Right. Uh, yeah, I'll, my kids are always amazed by that. I was like, well, part of it is you have to know how to spell the words. It's because they're bad at that. <laughs> it's called Mario Teaches Typing. Oh, I did a Mavis Beacon. Mm-hmm. I worked at Gateway and we had these office back stores. Yeah. Where like you'd have to go out and you sold like one computer a week if you're lucky. And like I would just stand at the thing because you had to stand by the computers to like be ready to greet people. And yeah. I would just stand there and do Mavis Beacon because it was on the one computer. <laughs> and I would do the little race car. Like you had to type the words and it would make your car go faster. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then like if you made a mistake, your car would slow down. Okay. That was my that was my formal typing. Oh, I can probably teach a hundred I can probably type a hundred and some if backspace doesn't count. Or backspace <laughs> does <laughs> count. <laughs> we'll have to try it out sometime. But yeah, chapter right. nine. Sorry. Chapter nine. Yeah, back to executing. All right. So enough of Don teaches um, typing. Chapter eight. Um, we are shown that God's wrath is coming. Um, we see that they are in a temple scene and where the elders and those that are in the temple are very blatantly, um, worshiping idols and going against pretty much everything God commands. 
Um, that does not make God happy by any means. And this brings us into chapter nine and the be in where we get introduced to a bunch of executioners. Um, so where should I start reading? Read through. I would I would start with chapter nine. I got that. <laughs> oh, what verses? Um, three. Oops, I was looking in the wrong four? chapter. Four. Uh, why am I looking on the small, teeny, tiny screen? Yeah, I'd say start with that. <clears throat> um, start with one through four. All right. Chapter nine, um, one through four, um, ESV. Then he cried in my ears with a loud voice saying, bring near the executioners of the city. See, I wasn't kidding. Each with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his weapon for slaughter in the hand. And with them was a man clothed in linen with a writing case at his waist. And they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub and which it rested on the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed in linen, who had the writing case at his waist. And the Lord said to him, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. Yay! Actually, the so far, it's not bad news. Right, right. I mean, we're, it, we're talking about what's happening for the good news people kind of sounds like beginning of a good movie, like good action movie. Right. I mean, you know, some guy's going to go out and he's going to put an X on your head. and Right. I mean, executioners means... I love that by... Weapons of destruction. If you have an ESV and I'm not sure like what the NIV's headings are or anything, but my son, <laughs> idolaters killed. Yeah, that's... <laughs> like, okay. Uh, okay. Just don't, don't read the, the title of the movie. You start off with <laughs> the executioners. I love this movie. <laughs> Or the idolaters get killed or something. You're right. Um, well, I guess uh, I, I love the the start out. Like the, one of the things I've really appreciated about Ezekiel is that it forces your imagination to be used. Like you have to use your di- uh, uh, I forgot who called it like your divine imagination. Oh yeah. I can't remember who that was. Is that a Piper thing or something? I don't, I don't know. know. It sounds cool though. Uh, Tim Keller maybe. Yeah. He sounds like a guy that would do that. Um, uh, the whole like then he cried in my ears with a loud voice saying is it like I'm not trying to make light of the situation this is a very serious text but to me it's almost comedic where like you know like he's standing next to Ezekiel and like he's like bring near the executioners of the city and like Ezekiel's like covering his ears like hey man I'm right here <laughs> like what are you yelling for like kind of thing like so I kind of like yeah. I kind of get that like like I said, I don't want to make light of what's about to happen in this, but like I definitely get that kind of like, ah, like what are you? I'm right here, you know, kind of yelling in his ear thing. And what what do you even do, being Ezekiel? Like, <laughs> you probably I mean, say what I, just I wouldn't said. even know what to say. I'd just be like staring, like, oh my gosh, like I mean, terrified. I mean, I guess you got three guys with a bunch of weapons of slaughter, and <laughs> and they pop up, and it's like. Well, there's one guy that's dressed in linen and has a writing kit. He's my he's, friend. He seems nice. <laughs> cool with well, him. I also want to know, like, it says he, he cried in my ears with a loud voice. So was he directing his voice into Ezekiel's ears or was he yelling beyond him? That's what I was. Those are things that I, like my um, dumb little brain was wondering about, like completely non-essential, non-important things. Was he like, like, did you ever watch Parks and Rec? No. I cannot remember the name of the character. Um, there's this guy on there that, um, shoot, it's kill me, but he, he was like annoying and he would like talk really close to people's ears and stuff like that. Um, man, what the heck was his name? I can't recall. Anyway, um, I kind of like, I kind of get that vision in my head for a yeah, second yeah. Like where he's like, ah! like yelling in Ezekiel's ear. I'm like, is it that or was it like that? He's standing next to him just yelling. He's like, hey man, like, you know, just... Yeah, what are you thinking? What's going on? Like, if, if like, the, have we did we determine if it was an angel or the son of man? I, um, I think later on we find out that they're cher- cherubim angels. Why is this But right now, I think they call him. Who's addressing just him right now? Figures. Though? No, who's addressing him? Who's the one oh. who's yelling with a loud voice? So then he cried. Was that? Oh, son! Because he's saying, "Oh, son of man!" Oh, yeah, the house of the Lord, and behold, there sat a woman weeping. Okay, so it's still the uh, possibly 
a member of the Trinity leading him around. Um, and so I don't think it's an angel, is it? I can't recall. I'm not here. Then it's then been he, two, it's been a whole week since we talked. And he cried my ears with a loud voice singing, "Bring the near action." But either well, you know so what? I think that's actually open. Uh, God is speaking, correct? Um, yeah, I think so. I'm gonna double check here. Oh, I'm yawn. Why am I so tired? So while he's looking that up, um, I can't believe we didn't. Because I'm not a smart man, um, most of what I get um, and what I learn is from three commentaries that I'm using. Um, one of them is e- Ezekiel by Christopher Wright. The other one is Ezekiel by Steve Toll, T-U-E-L-L. And then the other one is um, the IVP Old Testament commentary. So pretty much everything that I am spewing back to you, um, those are the three commentaries where I get any knowledge of Ezekiel because, yes. And my primary source is the Expositor's <clears throat> Bible commentary, but I also use some other... Uh, basically, everything I use is either edited or written by Tremper Longman III. Okay. Um, or, uh, you know, but yeah, a lot of that stuff, because I have a lot of multi-source stuff, but primarily the Expositor's Bible commentary. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is the Lord talking to him. Okay. So is the Lord yelling in his ear, or is he yelling beyond him? See, I don't know. I That's guess... A, I was just, I'm just wondering. Yeah. It's a dumb thing to worry about. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I would, it's, it's hard to assume because I don't ever really want to assume and put things into scripture. But if you were, but, but I, I guess it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah. It'd be um, very awkward though if God is like yelling directly into his ears. Yeah. Then he cried in my ears. That's what I'm saying. Is he like, like, is it making its point to Ezekiel? See, I guess that's why. In a way, like, that's what I was wondering. This might be nice to know Hebrew at that point. Um, yeah. I wonder what, I guess I didn't look at, like, NIV, whether, like, that has something different in there. Um, you know what? Since I went digital, it doesn't carry the NIV text right oh, next it to it anymore. It lets me choose. Oh, okay. So that was my mistake. So NIV. Which, that's another thing. Uh, right now, um, it's 50 bucks. Uh, but... I don't know what it normally is. You can get into Logos for free and you can load your books in there digitally so you can take them with you everywhere. Um, they did not pay me to say this. We don't get any money from them. I'm just saying that's my workflow and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I say I'm using the Expositor's Bible Commentary and other resources, I'm like 99% digital at this point. Yeah, me it's, too. It's, it's nice to be able to not have books all over the place. So NIV says, then I heard him call out in a loud voice. Dang. Bring near those who are appointed to execute judgment on the city, each with a weapon in his hand. So the other part's just as violent. I but, like the ESVs better than. Mm-hmm. I like the each with his destroying <clears throat> weapon in his yeah. hand. I mean, that's oh, I like, know. that's crazy. But that I think that that paints probably a more accurate picture of what's trying to be communicated here, right? Um, because it sounds a whole lot more. It sounds a whole lot more violent, and this is not. A non-violent scene by any means, no. um, as we will find out as we get to the end. Where, yeah, well, I don't want to. No spoiler <laughs> alerts. So we got seven figures, six weapons, um, ready for slaughter. One clothed <laughs> in linen. Um, so here's kind of what I got a little bit, um, and I got this from the IVP. Um, so there is an obvious parallel. Uh, oh wait, so. Linen usually is bleached white. Um, it's a customary dress of priest or angelic beings. Um, by the one that is carrying the writing kit, this would have been um, something that an a- ancient scribe would have typically carried, a writing case that would serve as a palette when he was writing and also stored his pens, containers, ink. Um, usually it was black or red, red ink, mm. uh, which I was like, ah. Oh. So that was just in the Bible that had Jesus' word. Um, <laughs> I have a problem with writing Bibles, but anyway. <laughs> then you have bronze altar. Well, apparently, scribes back then had red also. Right. So Matthew may have written in both black and red. But some Bibles make certain words red that other Bibles don't. Okay, that's fair. That's where I get <laughs> picky. Um, the I'm becoming br- a curmudgeon, Scott, <laughs> as I get older. <laughs> The bronze altar. Um, the bronze altar was part of the furnishings of the original temple complex uh, with Solomon. Um, it had sat in the front of the temple between the new altar and the temple. 
um, but had been moved um, to the north side to make room for the idolatrous altar erected by Ahaz um, in 2 Kings. Um, So that's kind of at least the imagery that that is portrayed there. Um, Certainly marking those who will survive God's wrath is comparable to um, the blood on the doorpost during Exodus. Mm. And I got multiple commentators that kind of made that parallel um, between them. Um, Yeah, so you kind of want to be marked here. (laughs) Yeah. um, Because if you're not... Yep. Um, and again, if you were my, if you had the mark on your doorpost, that was when the Passover, um, the, you know, the, the spirit would pass over your house. Um, and it seems to be a very similar thing where if you've got the mark on your forehead that you're going to get passed over and not be slaughtered um, by the other six um, who have those weapons of slaughter. <laughs> yeah, there's um, <clears throat> a couple of things in here, just like little don't think too hard about them bonuses. One. Uh, we see numbers are important in uh, scripture and people debate as to what numbers are important for what reasons. We have a total of seven uh, messengers here, which is that whole number of perfection completion that we see repeated throughout scripture, seven days uh, of creation, uh, forgiving 70 times seven. Like we see that number of, uh, once again, completion or perfection. Uh, Then we also cut down to six men that are, passing the judgment through weapons and destruction, six being a noted number of man, which is imperfect. Uh, Once again, don't think too hard about it. (laughs) Try not to. Um, So those are a couple of things that are just kind of interesting in that. We have seven messengers going out, but the ones that are, you know, enacting violence uh, against men are also the imperfect number of man, which is kind of interesting. But in chapter 10, the seventh one does get... To jump in on gets the slide. Yes, he does. A uh, couple other, uh, couple other little fun facts. One, um, some argue that the uh, uh, symbol of the man being clothed in linen, uh, with linen being bleached white and pure, uh, shows a linkage to both the priests and divine judgment. Mm. It's not just like, you know. Uh, it's a little bit different than like the Assyrians going in. Uh, it's basically showing that this is coming down from God himself in a oh, divine well, manner, cool. a heavy, a heavier weight to it. Uh, the mark on their head is the Hebrew taw, which is an X. Hmm. So literally when I said put an X on their heads, I wasn't like doing some weird Manson family thing. I was actually saying like, you know, it's, you know, he's going around and Xing them like as chosen, like nice, quick, easy taw. Once again, don't think too much into it. Uh, my commentary actually said, don't get all Christological on this, thinking they're like, oh, they're being marked with a cross. He said that was probably not the intent at all. It was just a quick, easy mark for this person to make. And, and a lot <laughs> of the commentators that I read said that it could potentially be that, but most of them were like, <laughs> probably not. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's um, basically what mindset. said. Like, so they're not saying that it wasn't. But they're saying it probably was not. Yeah. Um, so, so don't go all crazy like, oh, my gosh, in Ezekiel, <clears throat> the number six means imperfect of slaughter seven with the mark of the beast, with it's not the mark of the cross of the block. And now I'm seeing visions like r- slow down. <laughs> it's not what it means at all. <laughs> you just want the mark on your head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no yeah. matter what it looked like. We, we could draw parallels. We yeah. could show like the mark of the beast shows you're destined for damnation. Mm-hmm. The mark of, you know, uh idolatry for lack of a better way to put it um versus the mark coming from you know christ and i'm sure i could draw all sorts of parallels um yeah. like it's by the marks on christ that we are healed so we don't have to be marked by mr linen here anymore but I, i'm not going to because i can't because i'm not that smart right right you, you have to read a book yeah not mine not or mine no and probably go beyond our podcast. Yeah. I would say probably go beyond our podcast yeah. and then the, the other one i thought was interesting is the cherub here is actually plural Oh. Um, it just it makes for a hard translation because of the singular sounding nature of God's glory. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it says in three, now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub on which it rested to the threshold of the house. So it's not like one cherub like, I got this. It's his glory is on all of the cherub, which are cherubs the burning ones? I is can't remember. Oh, yeah, no, I, I can't remember. I can find that real fast. Probably not, but you know. Uh, study. So a couple of things I thought was kind of cool also is, so in the NIV, um, they use the word grieve and lament, and those are supposed to be strong rhyming words, which portray a very real physical grief 
being expressed loudly and emotionally. Um, and so it shows that when the, the um, seraphim or the figure with the linen um, is given directions, he's supposed to... Um, uh, I was looking at the wrong one. Um, verse 4. Go throughout the city in Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of those who grieve and lament over all the detestable things that are done in it. Um, it is showing a true, genuine trouble and distress um, towards the wickedness mm-hmm. that, that is happening. So it's not just a, eh, we're kind of, it's it's a very heartfelt, strong um, reaction to the, the sin and the abomination and the wickedness that is happening. Um, one of the encouragement thing um, that, in contrast to Jeremiah, is that that means that there must not that that must mean that, that not everyone was involved in the wickedness and violence of Israel. Um, that there are a group of people that that are repentant um, that do see a problem with this, and these are the people that are going to these are the people that will be marked. Um, that doesn't mean there's a lot of them, but by sending this angel out, it does show that there is a group of people that are genuinely um, repentant and genuinely not wanting to participate. Um, they are grieving and lamenting over um, where the people currently are. Um, and again, that's not a lot, as, as if we go back to, to Jeremiah, we'll, we'll see, but... Um, at least we do see some that that are genuinely upset with where Israel or God's people currently is. Yes, that's all. I, yeah, yeah, agreed. Okay. <laughs> um, and seraphs are the burning ones. The cherubs are not on fire. So the seraphs are the burning ones. Yeah. Okay, but later on though. But I so what I found interesting is I always thought cherubim was plural. So that's that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Whatever, I just believe what my commentary says. Because we're going to go find fire. Oh, I guess the fire, though, doesn't come from the cherub. It comes from the wheelie thingies. (laughs) We'll get that in chapter 10. Okay, so I was like, wait, they did get fire, but that's not yet. It's not their fire. Okay. (laughs) All right, so it's other fire. I should probably learn. I don't really want to study much about angels because I feel like that borders on some, like, things Paul said don't study. Yeah. (laughs) So, but yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, it's always good to know a basic. All right. So with that, um, I'm so legalistic, Don. Chapter nine, five through seven. Yes. All right. <clears throat> uh, okay. And to the others, he said in my hearing, pass through the city after him and strike. Your eyes shall not spare and you shall not show no pity. Kill old men outright, young men and maidens, little children and women, but touch no one on whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the house. Then he said to them, Defile the house and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. So they went out and struck in the city. Um, and while they were striking and I was left alone, I fell upon my face and cried, Ah, oh, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel and the outpouring of your wrath on Jerusalem? I must bet that's a bad place to end it. Should I just finish? <laughs> yeah, um, go ahead. Then he said to me, The guilt of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. The land is full of blood and the city full of injustice. For they say, The Lord has forsaken the land and the Lord does not see. As for me, my eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. I will bring their deeds upon their heads. And behold, the man clothed in linen with a writing case at his waist brought back word, saying, I have done as you commanded me. Woo! Well, dang. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess nine through seven, or that's five through seven. I think that's kind of where we see the... Well, what the angel is, I guess, continue to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. So the the first guy or the first figure is, is told to make marks. Um, the other six figures are, are told to go slaughter. And that's kind of five through seven. Right. So what, what kind of things stuck out or did you get from, from there? Um, the it, It's always hard to swallow, like, ma- mass slaughter, especially when it's like... Uh, kill the old men outright, young men, maidens, little children and women. Um, but don't touch those that have the mark. It, it's, that's always that. 
if your response is not the same as Ezekiel's, there's something wrong in your head. Um, there should be a, uh, you know, a sadness that wells up inside of you, especially when you start to witness what's actually going on. Well, yeah, because it was interesting, though, because he, you know, I guess in some of the discussion that, that, that I had read, um, yes, he is partially, he's upset, but like, He's actually more frustrated that because um, because he asked that question. What is it? Oh Lord, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnants of Israel and the outpouring of your wrath on Jerusalem? And so his his focus seems to be on on really God. Um, God's people is supposed to be a mission to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And so by talking about the remnant, he's talking about really a, a kind of a different group of God's people than just everybody. Um, so, so Christopher Wright kind of puts it this way. He says, um, while they were striking, Ezekiel asked God a question. Um, it's a challenging question to God about his intentions, and the focus is specifically on the entire remnant of Israel. Um, ever since the great, uh, the pre exilic prophets um, had begun to predict the judgment and destruction of Israel as fulfillment of God's covenant threats, they had also built in a word of hope through the concept of remnant. Um, remnant, um, according to um, some of the commenta other commentators, is a remnant is who is going to fulfill the mission of God to the world um, if the remnant is wiped out. So his concern is if the remnant is fully wiped out, as discussed in the other prophets, then who is going to fulfill God's mission? So he's concerned, yes, I guess, about God's people, but more about God's mission being communicated and shared throughout um I guess throughout the world, um, they probably would have expected that remnant to come from Jerusalem, which is why the, the question specifies Jerusalem. However, in Jeremiah 24, it actually says that the exiles are going to be the good figs who would be restored to God. Mm -hmm. And so although the remnant may be destroyed in Jerusalem, um, that's not necessarily true of the exiles. Um, they can, I guess, continue to be that remnant that had been discussed throughout many of the prophets. Um, it says Ezekiel's intercession then like that of Abraham and Moses is based not merely on heart-wrenching pity for those who are being slain, but on the ultimate purpose and glory of Yahweh among the nations. So mine takes a little bit of a different track. Okay. <laughs> um, he says as Ezekiel finds himself the sole inner court survivor of the judgment, he becomes alarmed at the mass of people destroyed by the executioners. Though his head is hard, his heart throbs with love for God and humanity. He pleads with God not to eradicate the entire remnant of Judah. The remnant in this context refers to Judah as the remnant of God's people. And, you know, goes on to talk about Judah being the only one of promise. So I think that, like, yeah, he his heart is in the right place of wanting, wanting to see God's glory yeah, and wanting yeah. that to be what survives. But, I mean, I think even if I was sitting in the, you know, blood of my enemies, I might have some like, you know, what's like sorrow, <laughs> sadness, yeah. pity, like, you know, like some of those like natural feelings of like, man, I know that they're, you know, blasphemers, but uh, one more chance. Could they have well, had one more chance? Like, I, you know, so, so the, okay. The, but think about the scene that you just left. So you no, no, I agree because like, like they're basically they're denying God. They're saying, "Oh, God has forsaken us." Yeah. So they're basically saying we can break the covenant because God broke the covenant, mm -hmm. which is a complete false, baseless claim. Yeah. And God's like, "Oh, they don't think I see? Oh, I see. Here's the judgment. Right, right. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna show you what I see." Um, and I get that, but like it's even, and I know uh, that's not a good example. I would say like Abraham over Sodom and Gomorrah, but he was really just trying to spare Lot's life. Right. Um, so I'm trying to think of anybody that, like, like I think there is, like... Because I thought that at first... My brain is drawing a blank. Because <laughs> I thought that at first, but, like, he just left... So he's grown up to be a priest, mm -hmm. expecting the temple to be the sacred place right, um, that is highly respected. Right. Mm -hmm. You spend 30 years of your life preparing to be a priest, and you expect, like that to just be the most holy place and those priests that are just honoring God. 
and you go through and you are incredibly disheartened on how they have abused and broken every command that, or I guess not every command, but a ton of commands that, that were set out in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Well, see, so I agree with you, but, and then you get into verse nine. Mm-hmm. So, well, I'll, I'll read back a little bit of eight. O Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel and the outpouring of wrath of your wrath on Jerusalem? Then he said to me, the guilt of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. The land is full of blood and the city full of injustice. And they say the Lord has forsaken the land and the Lord does not see. And then he's basically saying, oh, I see, you know, Mm -hmm. let me show you. But like he's answering Ezekiel with a reminder of how bad it is. Right. That's why I think like, that's why I like the way my commentator put it, like, his heart's in the right place, but man, he's, he's thick-headed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, so I think, I, like, I, I can't put Ezekiel up on this, like, you know, like a pedestal and say, like, oh, he's got the, he's got it in mind. He's hoping for the remnant to, right. you know. I think there's a bit of, like, oh, you're serious about that. You know, it's like. That's true. Oh, yeah, well, Like, true. if you had a sibling that got in trouble, you might be like, yeah, I deserve that. Yeah. But then, like, if your parent, like, goes off on him, you might be like, oh, hey, hey, uh, why don't we take it easy a minute, you know. Yeah. Back, back it off a little bit, you know, kind of. Because he, I mean, he probably genuinely cares. Right. But again, I, I, yeah, again, it's like your heart and your desire would probably want to be for God to be glorified, number one. Mm-hmm. And so if you're genuinely thinking about really the rest of the world and Israel is supposed to be this great missional people that is supposed to show the rest of the world on how they're supposed to live. If God wipes out the remnant and there is no one to fulfill the mission of God, then who is going to spread that to the rest of the world? Right. And, and so I think that's part of it. Yeah. So, I mean, his genuine con, so, I mean, I can definitely see where his concern is over the people of God, uh, people of God, but depending on where Ezekiel is and his understanding of, of, of the mission of God and, and what it genuinely means to be that remnant or God's people from the very beginning, it was supposed to be a missional. I mean, there people were supposed to look on God's people and go, this is the way you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, if this is the way that we're acting and God's going to wipe all of us out, who is going to tell the rest of the world of how amazing Yahweh our God is? Um, yeah, but he also just witnessed the slaughter of little children. That's true too. That's true too. <laughs> I mean, so they, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's hard. Yeah. To, it, it is it hard is, to yeah. understand. Even uh, do I want to use the term divine genocide? Because like genocide has such a interesting connotation mm. to it. But like divine punishment, like I think that our human brain would say, "Hey, this is still disturbing." Yeah. Like, I think it would be hard to understand what we're seeing and what's going on and to digest it and to think that, like, he, even the little kids are, like, you know, getting punished. Like, but they, did they really make that choice? It's their parents' fault. Like, you know, like, so I think it's, right. it's very difficult to, and, and I to th- get that. And I think, I think the hard part there is there is that innocence, but at the same time, if you look at, say, racism in America and you look at a lot of the evil and the injustice that, that happens in America, unfortunately, that all starts in the family and that starts in the very foundational stages of life. And so they have already begun to allow that idolatrous worship into their heart, sadly enough, because of their parents. Um, but again, being able to watch them wiped out and killed and slaughtered in that, yeah, that would that would be tough. That would be yeah. tough. No, yeah, I think because you think like, well, don't they have time to change? <laughs> right, know, right. I think it's, it is difficult, but yeah, like we see the the uh, covenantal understanding more so here, mm-hmm. um, where a family was part of a covenant. So, like we see the story of uh, Achan mm-hmm. uh, in Joshua that sinned, and his whole family bears the brunt of that yeah. punishment. That's very covenantal. Mm-hmm. thinking and that's something that like we should pay more attention to and i'm I, i'm getting a little bit uh, uh presbyterian here with that but it's true like there is a covenantal way to the bible and i don't think it's something that just gets mm-hmm. obliterated yeah um like with by covenantal i mean like you're you're 
in a promise. You're attached to each other through a promise, mm-hmm. and you're responsible for uh, what happens to your family in more ways than you think. Yeah. Like you have a responsibility that's a little bit deeper than just like, oh, he's he's a good dad because he went to his you know son's activities he's a bad dad because he works all the time like it's more than that like mm-hmm. you're responsible for the spiritual upbringing of your children and right um and your kids are part of that covenant and then we can get into infant baptism and have debates and fights about all that but yeah. we won't <laughs> well i think one of the things that i really love about the old testament um specifically the prophets is we realize how we need more rated R sermons in church. And the reason I say that is because we don't get a pretty beautiful picture of sin anywhere in the Old Testament. Like we genuinely see how devastating our sin is to our relationship with God. And we get imagery similar to what we talked about in Hosea. And we get imagery similar to, to this wrath and this judgment. And this is like beyond, like we just kick God out of his home mm-hmm. um, or he's going to be leaving in the next couple chapters. But, you know, we see how devastating sin genuinely is. But then in the same moment, it makes the cross look that much more beautiful. It makes the, I mean, this right here, we should be, at least for me, I mean, I, I should be somewhere in the slaughter you know, and in all honesty, God then goes ahead and takes that punishment on the cross. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty powerful when you think about this is, you know, I guess Paul uses the word death and like, you know, you always get, oh, sin equals death. And, you know, you ask your kids, well, what does sin equal? It equals death. Yes. <laughs> but then let's go to the real picture of, of, of the view of what sin does to our relationship with God and what sin genuinely does to our lives. And then let's re-ask that question, you know? And, and so, you know, it, I guess it, it's sad to, to see this picture, but then when you do move forward to the cross, you go, wow, that's a big deal. Like, I mean, I knew it was a big deal, but that's like a big <laughs> freaking deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's, no, I think that once again, that comes down to, um, like Ezekiel saying, like we see, I think there's a bit of a, like, we know what we deserve, but we, you and I are seeing it through the lens of grace. Right. Um, but he would it, not, not necessarily have seen it through that lens though. Right. I guess. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I, I mean, to a point he might've thought like, Hey, they're still, you know, cause they did have a means of repentance. Yeah. Um, the priests, the, the sacrifices, you know, so on and so forth. So I don't know. I just think that I, I, I would stick to the side of the argument that like he was shocked by what he saw and was like, is this really the way it's, you're going to wipe out everybody. And I like, you know, and God's like, Oh, the house, you know, uh, the guilt of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. Like you, I showed you these abominations, like, and it's, it's worse than what we're saying here, you know? So I think there's, there's room for both. I think, Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, our grief is rarely like singularly focused. It's true. It's almost always multifaceted, like what we're experiencing and why we're experiencing it. And, you know, uh, it's just difficult. It, yeah. I think it's overall, it, this is a difficult portion to, to read. Mm-hmm. Cause like in my mind, it does get pretty R rated. I, I yeah. like, he says, defile the house and fill the courts with the slain. I mean, like if, if it's like a body or two, you're not filling the courts. <laughs> like if, if you're filling, that means there's like so many mm-hmm. that it's, it's noticeable. And Ezekiel is just there witnessing it. Like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I think that would, that would cause nightmares for a long time, you know? And it was, it was actually, um, interesting because it actually starts in nine, six. Um, he says, God tells them to begin in my sanctuary. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're starting with the elders and the leaders of, of, um, I mean, they're starting with the elders and the leaders of, of, 
those are probably bear the church most in a way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I mean, I think that's interesting. You know, many times we hold a sign that says "You're going to hell," and it's like, well, wait a second. You know, it actually oh, starts oh. with us as people. You know, yeah. it starts as us as God's people because we're supposed to know better. Um, <laughs> and it starts with the people that are supposed to know better, and those are the very people that are defiling the temple, and yet. That's exactly where the the slaughter is going to start. If we even look at a lot of like what Jesus talks about in his teaching, a lot of his warnings are for those that are supposed to know better. Yeah, absolutely. His warnings against the Pharisees, his warnings against the people that know and don't tell others. Is you know, it's like that's where we get the bulk of his warnings from. Like yeah. his message is not to, um, <clears throat> sorry, uh, his his message is more to the like scribes, Pharisees, yeah. believers, followers, so on and so forth mm-hmm. of that day. And I think that's a powerful message to, to keep in mind for the church, not only just the leaders of the church, mm-hmm. but even if even if you're not a leader of the church, you are still supposed to be an example and, and it's supposed to be a mission to the world. It's not even like an example. It's like you're supposed to be spreading Christ's glory throughout the, the earth. <laughs> well, and it's it, not even just like you're supposed to like make it look good for other people to see. Well, if we as the remnant are supposed to be those that are going to fulfill the mission of God mm-hmm. in the world, yeah, then that's more... are we not that remnant? Um, are we not that, 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 you know, the, the, the priests there, I just brain farted when my daughter shut the door. Um, <laughs> but yes. No, yeah. Um, well, I know yeah. exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then... Oh, so Christopher Wright kind of says this. If you hear like cat stuff in the background, that would be. I was going to see about how much it picks up. Okay. okay. It's picking up a lot. Eh. Oh, yeah. We can pretend it's raining, but it's yeah, raining yeah. cat it's food. Yeah, kind of what it sounds like. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Christopher Wright's takeaway here is he says, in the, that respect, also like Abraham and Moses, it stands as a model for what ought to be the primary motivating force behind all of our own intercession for the world, and especially for the church, when, through hardness, disobedience, and apostasy, it puts itself in the path of God's imminent judgment. It is, of course, entirely right to pray out of compassion for others. Jesus and Paul both did, but Ezekiel models an even deeper foundation for intercession, passion for the glory and purposes of God in the world. Um, and that's if you take that that remnant perspective. I think that's where that's kind of where his takeaway ends up kind of coming in. Now the like at the end of the chapter here, uh, there's proof that there is a remnant mm-hmm. um, by the man in the linen coming back and saying like, "Hey, I've done as you've commanded me," meaning that he went out and marked people. Yep. So that should be comforting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to Ezekiel, that it was not just a complete massacre. It's just that he witnessed. Well, okay, he witnessed a complete massacre, but it wasn't a complete, complete massacre. Right. Like it wasn't a. I have no other word besides complete well, in my stupid head. And in Jeremiah uh, twenty four talks about how there is a group of exiles that will be good figs right. who would be restored to God. Um, so whether how much of that remnant was in Jerusalem, I don't know. Um, how much was it not? I don't know. But is there a remnant? Yes. Um, whether that be in Jerusalem or whether that also, or, or whether that some of that is the exiles and how much of those are in Jerusalem. Again, they don't give us numbers, um, but there is a remnant. <laughs> it's interesting, uh, kind of rewinding a, just a little brief hair here. First um, Peter 4.17 actually talks about a similar judgment. It says, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Mm. Or what will be the outcome? Sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it seems to be that is where judgment starts. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, so, I mean, his question is, Let's be the right thing. Oh, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel and the outpouring of your wrath on Jerusalem? So he portrays this question to God. And really the answer kind of comes out to no, um, because right. then you have the angel that comes back and says, guess what? I just did it. Um, and it's like, oh, <laughs> I guess that answers my question. Um, I wonder, huh? oh, never mind. I'm stupid again. I'm like, I wonder what it's like to be those guys. The guy that gets to go mark everybody with a writing case. I don't know. Well, God's then, like, hey, yo, go get on your your white linen and grab your writing case. I got some work. <laughs> well, in, in 10, I don't know if he gets that white linen dirty, but he, <laughs> I'm assuming he probably does. 
Um, but the one thing, though, that I do, I do like the way that Chris Wright, though, ends it. He says this. He says, actually, we need to remember that um, they were being spoken by the God who longed more than anything else to show pity, by the God who had spent centuries with the people, withholding the full mm-hmm. extent of his wrath, by the God whose very name, Yahweh, is defined as compassionate and gracious. If there was steel in the voice, there were tears in his eyes and an unbearable pain in his heart. Um, and so although we see this punishment and we go, oh my gosh, um, look at this vengeful God, this was not just a quick, I'm angry, I'm going to go ahead and like, sometimes I lose my temper mm. and I don't think through my actions. This right here was centuries of him yeah. going back and forth between prophets, holding back multiple times, allowing them to repent and... This just comes down to, it's my, it's it's kind of their last straw. I mean, all right, I'm I'm, I'm at it, you know. Yeah. I'm being forced out of my own home. Yeah. Here it is. You don't want me. Yeah. Fine. This mm-hmm. is what happens when you break the covenant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, not yeah. an encouraging chapter. What are you talking about? That last verse, man. There's a red. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Uh, no, no, it's it's tough. It's it's a tough read. It is. One. It is. Um, but we'll start to see. Yeah, we get a lot further in the book. We'll see a little bit more encouraging um, words through throughout. But we we do see aspects of God's grace and mercy even even through the right. the, the difficult passages of of wrath and judgment towards um, uh, the our idol worship. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Makes it a little bit of a different perspective for us. Absolutely. So. Again, I, I don't know if I'd want Ezekiel's perspective. No. I Yeah, I, that's what... Oh, man, we don't got that kind of time. That's why all these people that run around claiming to be prophets and stuff like that, I'm like, man, come... I almost cussed. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, we'll leave it at that. All right. <laughs> so with that... Um, We'll see you probably never, but um, we'll hear from you or you'll hear us. Um, uh, podcast uh, at Outlook.com. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or our Facebook, whatever that is. Sometimes when it's warmer, unless yeah. you like listen to it like six months yeah, after it's posted and then it's cold again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>